I have made several attempts to vote early. And uh, due to my schedule, I just can't get on that line yet. But I will get it done before Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will vote. And you really need to research the local issues outside of the presidential election. There's a lot of things going on that your vote will matter for. And joining us right now to talk about that for the first time, we welcome John Morgan to the show. Mr. Morgan, how are you, sir? Hey, Mike. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I was um, I, I was listening to you when you were on with Drew, and I know that uh, you have had several presidents and presidential candidates at your home before for fundraisers or whatnot. What was the first political uh, race that you got involved with? Golly, I'm so old, I've, I can barely remember. I, uh, was it before Bill Clinton? Well, probably, yeah. I mean, I was I was a finance chair for Bill Clinton. So I've been there for a long time. Probably the state, you know, state stuff. Probably, you know, state house races and things like that. What, was Clinton, uh, though, the first president that you really uh, got behind? Yes, Clinton was the one. That I was on his finance team, and it was during those years in the '90s. It was a great time, and uh, he's a great guy. Did you? I I loved him. It was he was the first person I was old enough to vote for. And I loved him because, like you, I, uh, I grew up uh, a real poor kid. And uh, I felt like, much like I did about Obama, that they actually knew what it was like for that portion of America uh, and, and would actually work for the people. And I genuinely felt that about Bill Clinton. He was great. And he's, you know, he's smart as he can be. And, but, yeah, when you, if you've ever tasted desperation or if you've ever tasted fear, it's something you never forget. I don't sure. care how much money you get, and you know that, if you if you had the same situation. So I think it defines you, and it, it makes you have more empathy and sympathy going forward, and I think... I think that's what made Bill Clinton. He could relate to he could relate to everybody. I, I I know I have nowhere near the financial success that you have now, but I have been successful in my career, and I'm very happy being where I am. And people, like even my parents, will ever say, "Did you ever think that you'd be?" And I go, "Yeah." I uh, no, uh, no matter how desperate things were, yeah. I always knew I would be here. How how did you have any idea that you would be as successful as you are when you were a kid? Oh, no. Listen, I, if somebody had told me when I got out of law school that I could, like, sign off and make, you know, you know, not, not a lot of money, I'd have probably signed off right then and there. Yeah. Like, $100,000 a year when I was, you know, from where I came from was, you know, the Huge. same as a billion dollars. I mean, it, it was like it, was not, it didn't matter. It, did, it, it wasn't possible. And, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, did I... Did I know that this would happen? You know, we, I said, no, of course not. I mean, you can't. All you were thinking about was having a house where the phone wasn't cut off and where the electricity didn't get turned off. You, I mean, that was that would have been a bonus just to have that. They, that and that, do you think that that makes you so much stronger? Like I remember, there were times where in order to get heat, we'd have to turn the oven on and open the oven, uh, and yeah. and that'll never happen to my kids. And I think that's made me stronger than anything. And I think that's why, that's what drives you. I have a, you know, I've written a couple of books, one called You Can't Teach Hungry and one called You Can't Teach Vision. But I have a book in mind called Paperboy. A lot of people who were poor or who were driven when they were little boys or little girls, they were paperboys. Yeah. 
And you can kind of, there's something inside of people that this have decided, you know what, no matter what, no matter how bad this situation is, I'm going to go figure it out for myself. And I, I don't know what you did as a little boy. I don't know because paper routes started going away later in life. I had a paper route, sir. I was a, I was a New York Post delivery kid where I had to do it at 6 o'clock in the morning before school. There is my point. Yeah. Be, there is be, my point. You know what? It, it definitely teaches you because not only, and it, it, with the way I did it was you had to deliver, you had to get the paper. You had your own business. You had to get the papers. Oh, yeah. You had to divide them. You had to deliver them. And then, like the mafia, you had to go collect the money if they didn't pay you. And if they didn't pay you, you egged their houses later at night. <laughs> right. <laughs> but seriously, if you didn't pay you, it came out of your nut of the money. Right. So you oh, needed yeah. to go get your money. I, I mean, I that. Actually, my paper route was in Lexington, Kentucky. And. You know, I had a big route, and uh, we had to actually buy it. My grandmother was a secretary for the ag department, and she went down to Second National Bank, and we took out a loan, and I had to pay the kids that I bought it from, so you had to pay your bank note, and then you had to collect. Yeah. And, you, know, you, go to, you know, I remember one night, the, this woman wouldn't pay me, and my grandmother got in her car and drove over and got the money. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you're talking about like three bucks. Or yeah, still. If you went back home and went to sleep, and you and somehow you missed one or somebody stole a paper off, they'd call the paper. You had to drive back down and give them another. Paper. Give them another one. That's right. If they didn't get their paper, they would call the paper company. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's very interesting. I I did read you say that about the paper route, and I thought about that last night. I that's certainly how I started, and I had to be like twelve years old when that happened. Uh, exactly. I was twelve, thirteen, but you know, and walking around with a couple of hundred bucks a month. I mean, my, you know, you, you had money. So I think there's something inside of certain people that have this drive. That's why I wrote the book. Why I called it "You Can't Teach Hungry." Because the thing about a paper route is, it's every day. I mean, if you're going to miss a day, how do you miss a day? Right. You know, I mean, think, the other day I was back in Kentucky. Uh, I went to the races. I bought some race horses up there. And I drove my old paper out, and I got out of my car and a couple of weeks ago, and I just walked. And it was a long, long paper route, but I tell you what, it was the best memories of all. And I looked, I was going by, and remember, that house had a paper, that house had a paper, that house had a paper. I mean, you, you know, you knew, I mean, you knew by memory, because that's, so that's why it was hard to... To not be the one throwing the throwing the papers. By the way, that's a good way of telling that you're successful. I went to buy some racehorses. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I bought some horses, and you know, I've got hooked on that. So it's it was great. John Jack's going to yeah. buy the paper that he used to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, the the who yeah the box I was in was right next to the Lexington Herald Leader. That's so funny. And, and the guys that uh, had the box owned American Pharaoh, so I got to meet American Pharaoh, which was like. Which is like meeting Babe Ruth. Yeah, you yeah. Walk him out. You're like, holy cow. <laughs> uh, this is John Morgan, who is joining us. You certainly know his voice and seeing him uh, on TV all these years. And John has uh, United for Care, which, and I did not know the full story. And if you wouldn't mind going through that again and explaining it for our listeners until I heard you're on with Drew about your, about your brother and how your brother became a paraplegic. My brother was a lifeguard at Walt Disney World. There was a, they were searching for a little girl they thought had drowned in the Polynesian Lagoon. He gets up on a makeshift dock. He dives in. They tied some boats down with the chair, with, with, the, with the table, and he was immediately rendered a C6, C7 quadriplegic. Wow. He was 18 years old. I was 20. 
it was and is to this point in my life the single worst day of my life. I, I left school. I drove to the Catholic Church. I lit a candle, said a prayer. Me and my brother Mike, we cried all the way home. We got there. There he was spinning in a on a three sixty bed. You know, parent couldn't move anything. Right. As time, they told us he wouldn't live past thirty. Uh, as time has gone by, you know, he got better. He's what they call a super quad. He can actually drive a car. He has a wife. He has a daughter. He's got a great life. Uh, but it's the, it's the most. If you just watch him get dressed in the morning, it's it's unbelievable. So he is. In this life, my hero, because his suffering has been so immeasurable. But the pain never leaves him, and the spasms never leave him. And over time, and I'm talking about pain that would knock you down. Right. And at one point in time, they had him on seven Xanax a day. Jeez. And I don't know if you ever had if you've ever had one. I took a half of one one time in Italy, and they couldn't wake me up for 14 hours. <laughs> My wife was on my back. John, we're going to miss the we're going to miss the Vatican. But uh, he started smoking the marijuana, and it the pain evaporates almost immediately, just immediately. And it's uh, just a couple of of hits. And when the spasms are so bad, uh, he takes a hit, and the spasms subside immediately. And he is just one story. Yeah, marijuana works for all sorts of different reasons. Cancer patients who are hungry, our veterans returning home who have terrible anxiety, terrible nightmares. People think that post-traumatic stress is just a bunch of BS. No, not if you've been in these wars that these boys and women have been in. Uh, people with epilepsy, I can't tell you. ALS. The other day I was at a wedding, a couple of months ago I was at a wedding, and a woman comes up and says, hey, my husband wants to meet you. I'm thinking, well, you know, why can't she come, why can't he come over here? And I walk <laughs> over, and he's sitting there, and I go to shake his hand, he can't raise his hand. Uh. And I go, what happened to you, dude? And he said, uh, I've got ALS, and I just wanted to thank you for what you're doing because I couldn't cope. This is Lou Gehrig's disease. I couldn't cope. I couldn't make it. And I just went, I said, oh, I'm sorry. And, uh, he says, uh, I said, what was your, what did you do before this? He said, I was a sheriff at Lake County. Oh, jeez. Yeah, deputy sheriff. But, and, uh, and so, and I get these stories, Mike, all the time. And yeah. so yeah. It, keep, it keeps me going. It's become my purpose. You know, we lost last time by a percentage point. You got to have 60%. The state thinks between four and 500,000 really, really sick and disabled people with debilitating illnesses or injuries will benefit day one. And as you know, illness and disease and injury, it doesn't pick political parties. It doesn't pick R's and D's or independents. Sure. It just, it just happens. And and who is who is the the opponent to this? Who is the one person or the people responsible one, for saying one person is a guy named Mel Simbler. And Mel Simbler, if you ever want to know who Mel Simbler is, he was a big Republican donor, a big fat cat over in uh, Pinellas County. And years ago, he had a thing called Straight Inc. Right. Straight Inc. is a horrible, horrible, horrible. He used to grab kids out of their beds at night, take them to these boot camps. And I'll just let people Google Straight Inc. Yeah. Great Inc. has now dovetailed into 
the same organization that is fighting this right now. And if you Google straight ink and words like uh, abuse and terror and lawsuits, you will see what they've been doing for the last 30 or 40 years. It's a horrible, horrible organization. You know, drug abuse is not a crime, in my opinion. It's an illness. It'd be like, you know, locking people up and, you know, for having diabetes. And yeah, addiction is, is, is a problem. It's a, yeah, addiction is a problem. Look, I mean, people, and some people have a personality or a body that's more susceptible. Some people can have, you know, some Oxycontin and they're okay, but another 14,000 people die every year from Oxycontin. Another couple of hundred thousand are hooked for life because Oxy is just like heroin. It's just a little bit more potent. Sure, sure, and, and, so, and no one dies from, from marijuana. Not one person has ever died from ingesting marijuana not one person has ever died and i and i want to point out and i don't know what your situation is but i'm not a i'm not a pot guy i've smoked it maybe a dozen times in my life never really does anything for me uh i like to go out and drink and have fun so uh this is not coming from a social thing whereas i know right. uh, some other people want to see it because they're recreational uh, pot users uh, listen i'm not i'm not you know this is not about Cheech and John going around the state trying to <laughs> marijuana. I'm not a pot guy. I'm a Maker's Mark guy. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, me and you could have a lot of fun with Makers. And, and uh, but, but look, Mike, I've got four children, and you know, three of my kids are lawyers with me. And when they were young, you know, I would from time to time go to get a drug kit and have them pee in a cup. And sometimes they failed and sometimes they didn't. And when they failed, there were consequences. So I'm not one of these guys. that That's not my fight. Right. That's not what I want to do. Because, you know, I know that if you get, if a young person starts smoking marijuana early enough, we all have the stoners from high school that never never stop being a stoner. Yeah. But seen it. I, always, I always say that was the number one deterrent for me. Just like you say about the paper out was that one commercial where the guy's upstairs smoking pot and he still lives with his mother. And I was like, oh, I'll never be that guy. That I don't, I don't want to do that. And I didn't want to do it because, you know, my dad, my dad was, I thought my dad would be so disappointed. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of reasons we don't, but I'm like you. I'm not, you know, I, I am a libertarian. I do believe people should be able to, they want to drive with a helmet on, off, you know, let them. So I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm much more of a live and let live person. I don't want the government telling me what I can and can't do. But legalizing marijuana is not my fight. Getting help for four hundred to five hundred thousand really sick people is. Can I ask you? So, if your brother has had the opportunity to smoke marijuana and several other people, then I would imagine uh, they have to obtain that what would could be considered illegally at this point, which has got to be, um, especially to somebody with your brother who's who's got the resources and stuff somewhat uh, degrading to have to feel like he's he's being an illegal drug user in order to just get the medicine that he needs. No doubt. And he's, you know, he's got a daughter who's eight years old. He's 58 years old uh, now. And he's got a daughter who's young, who who is, you know, that's his whole world, really. Yeah. His Taylor. But yeah, you gotta, you know, you, and you risk being arrested. <laughs> you risk, you worry about the, you know, you gotta, he's gotta, you know, keep it hidden. He doesn't want his daughter seeing him do it. And he keeps it hidden. Every time you buy it, you risk being arrested. I had a lawyer call me the other day. He said, "Look, he said, listen, I want to thank you for what you're doing." He goes, well, "Why?" He's from Orlando. He goes, "Once a month, I drive to Tampa and I buy marijuana 
for my mother mm. as multiple sclerosis. And he goes, every time I buy it, John, I worry. Am I, is this the day I'm going to be arrested and lose my law license? Yeah, lose your license mm. and the whole deal, yeah. I go, why do you do it? I said, why do you do it? He goes, I love my mother. I go, why don't you get somebody else to do it? <laughs> and, you know, I mean, get some, you know, he goes, you know, who? I mean, you're asking somebody to go risk being arrested. I mean, think about it. You're, you're willing to go do that because you love your mother so much. And the risk is getting arrested, losing your law license. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Uh, but now that we're this close, I remember last time it was up in the air it was really, you didn't know it could go either way, but it seems like the general consensus is that this will pass with no problem. I feel like it, I, you know, but I'm I'm a guy that always plays like I'm behind. I, you know, when it, I, these people who go and take a test, they say, how do you think you did on the test? Oh, I think I killed it. I'm never that guy. I'm always like, I don't know. Yeah. You know I'm cautiously optimistic. We're going to have a bigger turnout this time than we did last time. Last time, nobody... Nobody wanted to vote. Broward and Dade was almost the lowest of all time. Uh, last time, the Supreme Court approved our language four to three. We've tightened it up. They approved it seven zero. Last time, Pam Bondi filed a brief against us. This time, she didn't. Last time, the sheriffs were challenging me to debates. Every other week, it seemed like this time they've been quiet. They're not taking a position because. Grady Judd himself said, I'm in favor of medical marijuana. I'd rather have it in the form of legislation, not a constitutional amendment. But look, anybody listening out there today in Tampa Bay area, ask yourself this question. What has Tallahassee ever done for you or your family Mm. ever? Name one thing, nothing. So we got to do it this way. And we're going to have a big turnout. And look, here's the thing. The great thing about this for whoever's listening, whether you're voting for Trump or Clinton or the two other people, the only thing that all four of the presidential candidates agree on this year is that medical marijuana should be legal. Uh, that's absolutely true. And then one of the other things I find for a guy who's uh, so such a well-known uh, guy associated with the Democratic Party, you don't push the other candidates uh, when you're when you're talking about the marijuana thing, which to me shows... Hey, listen, look, I'm mar- my wife is a devout Republican. I mean, she cancels out about every vote I've ever <laughs> And my wife is very, she's a, I call her the conservative Catholic. But this is the one of the few political issues that the two of us have ever uh, agreed on. And, uh, and we had to agree on it because we've spent a whole lot of money trying to get this done for Florida. Sure. Well, uh, I, I got to tell you, uh, if, you're, if you're there and you were, you were in the middle of the road for some reason, uh, you can see what Mr. Morgan has been, has been working for and what his motivation is. Do you mind if I a- ask you a couple of non-related uh, questions? Oh, and call me John, please. John. Uh, Disney, I thought it was cool that Walt was always called Walt. And I said, if I ever got to run a company, I'm never going to make anybody call me Mr. Anything. Oh, I liked everybody to call me Your Highness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, what was my question? Uh, which one of your children is your favorite? Uh, you know you have one. I tell, I, I tell every single one of them when I get them alone, I said, let me tell you something. I just want you to know this. You are my favorite. The reason I say that is when I get sick and down, I want to make sure that they're all fighting to take care of me. <laughs> I tell them all that they are my favorite. Right. I always tell my daughter because she's youngest. I go, you know you're my favorite. And I look at my son and I wink. 
Uh, I tell my daughter, I tell my daughter she's my favorite daughter, but I only have one. I've got four children, one daughter. But yeah, I've been, I've, I've been lucky. I've got great kids. All four of them work in the same building with me every single day, and. A lot of days, my days in sitting in my office with my four children. I mean, what could be more perfect than that? No, that's that's great. What will you What will you do today? I mean, on a day to day basis, in my in my opinion, you just get up and sit on a comfortable couch, and people just rub your feet all day. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, what I do, what I will do today is I am doing these. I've been doing radio interviews this morning. I'm going to go have uh, a lunch ab- about building a building. And then I'm going to Lakeland, Florida, to look at some real estate to buy real estate to add to our Lakeland complex over there. And then I'm coming back and I'm flying to New Orleans tonight for a dinner on a case that we have over in New Orleans. So that's my day to day. I uh, I know you're a busy guy, but I would like to go to New Orleans and hang out with you one time. I think that would be a fun time. Well, maybe not this trip. What time do we pick you up? We'll <laughs> <laughs> have to buy the makers yeah, work. I got a lot of vacation <laughs> days. If we go to yeah, the problem is if we go to New Orleans, you may not be back in time for your show tomorrow. That's fine. <laughs> this, that's fine. This liver can handle it. It's I all right. He's never on time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a pleasure to finally get you on the show. I, I admire what you're doing, and I really. Uh, I love stories about people who are successful that came from nothing, and John Morgan is certainly one of those folks, and I think that's very inspirational to a, to a group of kids that are out there today. And certainly the most important thing when you go to vote is to choose who you want to run this country, whatever that's going to be, and then uh, keep in mind all the people who can benefit from medical marijuana, whether that be somebody that you love or just your general compassion for people that you know that are suffering out there. Or maybe you one day. Yeah, or you one day. I mean, look, I'm unfortunately, Mike, you know, I can't believe it because I don't feel it, but unfortunately I am a, a, I am a senior now. I'm 60 years, I turned 60 years old this year. Wow. And they, when you get to be 60, that's when the pills start to come. That's when the bad stuff starts to happen. And the people who are older are the ones who are going to need it more than anyone. And I, I don't know, I don't know it's uh, why it works. I have no idea why this marijuana is such a miracle plant. And I don't know, I don't know why aloe works. I mean, you, know, you cut off a piece of aloe and you rub it on your shoulders and the sunburn yep. goes away. But it does work. And all is. Uh, God made pot and man made pills, and seems to work better. Well, uh, I think that, uh, like, like I'll go out and say it. I think you're going to have no problem come Tuesday. I, I, I hope it goes through with uh, flying colors. And I appreciate all the work that you've done. And thank you for being on the show today. All right, peace. Thank you. So long. There you go. It's John Morgan. I don't know what was going on at the phone at the end there. It was I, it, out a bit. Yeah. He may have been getting another call. Oh, so. I got you. Oh, yeah. I, I, by the way, I love uh, Cheech and John. That's <laughs> great. That's, That's great. Well, he certainly seems like a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. cool.